0: God bless you, saints. You may be seated in the house of God. How many are glad that you're here? We're uh, we're sorry for scaring you with the demons in the sound system. We're going to try to cast them out. Thank you, sir. As the old joke goes, after the demons were cast out of the man and sent to the pigs and the pigs died, where did they go? They waited for technology and they've been in the computers and sound systems ever since. (laughs) If you ever hear the screeching in sound systems, come on. We're just so thankful that you're here. Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews. We're going verse by verse through the book of Hebrews and today we'll start in Hebrews but it's going to be a little bit out of sync with where we've been because I felt led of the Lord in the first service to go impromptu to preach a message, Christ comes first on Christmas. And now I want to preach a similar message to that and the title of this message is Don't Forsake the Gathering Together with the brothers and sisters. It's a long title, but I think you can say it with me. Just everybody say, don't forsake gathering together with the brothers and sisters. Amen. You're my brother or you're my sister, depending on your gender. (laughs) And I'm your brother because that's not going to change. Amen. That's going to stay the same. I'm your brother, and you're my brother or my sister, and I thank God for you. I never want to take you for granted. I don't want to think about you merely as someone filling the pews. I want to think of you as my family, as my familia, as they say in Espanol, because I tried and I want to fit in. My people, as some people would say, my gente. I want to show you who our leaders are and elders. Once again, we uh, have a great church, and we had a party last night. Would you put up that picture so they can see it, please? And I want you to know we're always praying for you. We're thankful for you. And we got to gather together yesterday, and I want you to know who these leaders are. They're pastors, they're interns, and they're elders. And can you just give it up for the Lord for these wonderful brothers and sisters here? The joke that I was saying is if you were to send this to your friend and ask him who the senior pastor was, they certainly wouldn't pick me. They would either pick Daryl, probably with the bow tie, or Berto wearing the suit there. And I was wearing a shirt similar to this uh, yesterday, and they would say, oh, that's probably the evangelist. That's the guy who goes to the streets, you know. No, that's our pastor. He wears boots and a shirt and that's how he comes to church and if it's hot he wears sandals and shorts, but he loves us and we're happy. <laughs> I don't know, are you guys happy? Amen. Stay happy because it's about ready to get real up in this service, amen. So, you know, we have to address why we do what we do on days like Christmas. So, when you look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 and onward, we see that the priority of gathering together in the church is important. We have to do that. That's what we do as Christians. It's part of our religion, as people would say. But oddly enough, believe it or not, there's actually questions that arise around Christmas time when it falls on a Sunday to whether or not churches will gather together. And that's a good question. If you have come from a background where church was not looked at as the way we look at it as a priority, but more like a club or something you belong to, then that would be, you know, normal to ask. You know, like your basketball league. Hey, maybe you have a Sunday night game that you guys normally play. Hey, are we meeting It falls on a Christmas? And that might come normal to ask people in the church, hey, are we going to have service? But to someone like myself that is literally asking me, do you want on Jesus' celebration of his birthday to be with Jesus? It's a silly question to me because that's how it sounds. How many think that to you, not trying to put other people down, but would hear that as a silly question? Not that you're being rude to somebody, but you would hear that as a silly question. Not everybody will, but I'm just asking for some of you, are you like me? Because that would be like saying, I want to celebrate Jesus' birthday, but not at Jesus' house. Then on Jesus' birthday, not being at his house, I want to give my people gifts. Not him, not giving him any gifts, but I want to give other people gifts. Besides him, not in his house, not at his party. Now you kind of see how it gets even sillier when you think of it like that. But that's the world that we live in. And so first service, I was just wanting to explain how I feel about Christmas in a a brief way and then share with you how the church will direct its matters and affairs during the time of Christmas. That turned into about an hour and 15 minutes of me shouting and hollering, pounding the pulpit. So you'll have to go back and listen to that message if that is something that would encourage you. Now, I am intending right now to preach a different kind of message, but similar, not trying to repeat that message, but similar, and I want to give at least one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, maybe upwards of 10 scriptures to understand this simple phrase that I'm going to make to you now. I hate Christmas, and I don't celebrate it, and I haven't for over 20 years and never will again by God's grace. And then number two, it will never happen in this church where we ever put a kind of celebration like that above church. And if anyone wants to do that, stay home next week and have a family tradition, please stay home the weeks following and find another church because this one is not for you. Okay. So those sentences that I just said right there, we're going to spend the next hour in text to understand, and if the shouting and howler and Pentecostal comes up, maybe you can endure with me. And if this is your last service, thank you for being here. We appreciate you, and we hope that you can do well in your Christianity. If you have serious questions about a pastor who can say ultimatums, would you go to my Facebook page, put it up there, please, and see the post that I just made, because unlike cult leaders, which I've been accused of, unlike mean pastors, which I've been accused of, I actually can tell take your feedback. You can leave it there and I'll broadcast it over this service and answer your question. I just don't have a way to do it anonymously. And that is, why do I give ultimatums? Why did you hear such a thing on a Sunday? If you're like me and you had been brought up in church where church was more of a place where politeness ruled the service, you know, we're more polite here. We're, excuse me, sir, I'm just going to get this out of your way. We're we're more about following the manners and and, and being more nicianity than Christianity, then that might be surprising or shocking to you. The reason why I do this, not being unaware of how it's uh, perceived by the culture, the reason why I do this is because I'm not trying to be like that. I will never be like that. I am not here. This is not about me, but I'm just letting you understand the man holding the mic today. I am not about nicianity, nor will I ever be. This, to me, is a serious issue, and it deserves a serious talk. It is serious, and it needs to come across as seriousness uh, in in, in a serious way, and this is how I think, and I want you really to hear my heart on this because, man, when I tell you I think about these things, I really do. Long before I was ever interviewed, before COVID and all of those things, before I was ever put on the news, I already thought and preached about how I would respond to news people engaging with us in our worldview. I have studied this as a part of my response to the culture because it would be shameful of me to preach this way to you on Sunday when I have the mic and your respect and not be able to face my accusers that you have to deal with on a daily basis. In other words, I work for the church, some of you work for the city. I work for the church. Some of you work for AT&T. And if you were to say the kinds of things that I was about ready to say or am going to say in this service, you're going to, in, in public schools as well, as I look at some of our high school students, you're going to have to face the opposition of people who are going to say, I don't like that, and I don't like you, and who do you think you are? Can I hear an amen if you've heard that from people, right? So it's unfair of me to do all of this here, in our little secret clubhouse meeting, and then when it enters into the real world for me to run away from that. So by God's grace, years ago, years ago, I was in my heart praying and the Lord began to uh, to give me in prayer how to respond to people asking me these questions, these things that they would have trouble with. Why do you believe in heaven and hell? Why do you believe homosexuals in this community are destined for hell unless they repent of their wicked behavior? Why do you um, criticize other religions? Why do you consider Jesus the only way and then say that the rest of these are not just bad ideas but they're actually inspired by Satan himself demonically uh, induced upon the people? Why would you say such a thing of nice people that we know who are Muslims and Hindus and so forth? And so that's why I hope that when you come to this church. You may see a man in combat boots wearing a shirt, but you see someone that is speaking to you in a way that is held to the highest standard of what is truth and wisdom, knowledge, and an approach that is applicable to your everyday life. The very fact that you think that you know that I think about this should give you confidence that you can bring this up in any sphere and not be ashamed. In other words, I don't want you as a college student to go to your um, school tomorrow and be ashamed that this is your church. So imagine if someone were to clip the part of my Christmas uh, service earlier today, pounding the pulpit. If you don't know how to put Christ first on Christmas, you're not a Christian, and all these one-liners are coming out. And then they put all over Facebook, look at this idiot, look at this pastor, who would ever go to a stupid church like this? You see, if you're not ready for those kinds of responses in this culture, you're not really woke to what's going on. This is how they fight. This is how they want to uh, bring about their worldview. They want to shame you. They want to publicly make you look like a mockery. If they can, they'll find out your businesses, and they'll try to tell people not to go there because you don't love them. They won't listen to the whole message, but they'll listen to those parts of the service that make us look like we're controversial. But does that mean I should stop saying controversial things or that I should stop publishing our services? No, I'm going to continue to do this in the name of Jesus. Now, the first thing is what you'll notice is that they will not do this with other religions or other people. You will not see this with the nation of Islam because it's a person of color. But the nation of Islam spews so much hate that it's ridiculous. They actually believe that the white person is a formulation of interspawning with demons from a person named Yaqub, if I'm getting their story correct. So when they say white devil, they don't mean that figuratively figuratively, they mean that literally, but you can hardly even remember if that's ever come up in the news, if ever. The only time it even got brought up a little bit from this kind of a direction was when Jeremiah Wright was being brought out because of being Obama's uh, uh, pastor, and he used to talk similar, though not as extreme, towards Obama But all Obama had to do was say, if you knew what Jeremiah had gone through and our people had gone through, you would understand. So it's, you know, like there used to be a share, it's a black thing, you wouldn't understand. Anybody remember those? So all he had to do was pull the black card and go, hey, this is just our people talking to our people, and I don't need to give any further explanation and move on. But that's not how it works with people like us. And when I say like us, I don't mean Anglos, okay? What I mean is conservative Christians. Because they will throw you under the bus, no matter what your skin color is, the moment you don't fall into their agenda. And so as we saw before with the COVID and the Black Lives Matter and with these other things in our culture, it doesn't matter, red, yellow, pink, or brown, purple, it doesn't matter. Whatever, whenever you side with the understanding of the Bible as a conservative, you're now their target. Can I hear an amen if you've been related? You can relate to that. So, you didn't get the black card. You didn't get to be able to say, man, this is black, I'm a black person, this is just my frustration. Or, like, with, you know, uh You know, Nini's Deli. Well, I'm Hispanic. I've been, you know, raised in this Hispanic community. My family came from Cuba and Mexico. You should understand that we have conservative values. They don't care. They don't care about it, okay? Because the only thing the media and the people who are in power and in control are going to see is that you're standing for the God of the Bible as Christians have always done. And they hate that God. They hate this representation of God. And they use the history and the wrongdoings of people who have held to this Bible as their excuse to hate what you're doing. But once again, they don't do that towards the other side. As a matter of fact, it's atheists like Bill Maher who have seen this, even as uh, Sam Harris has seen it, another atheist, and it was on Bill Maher's show. They say, guys, you attack the Christians all the time. You mock the Christians all the time. But when it comes to Israel, Islam, You're quieter than a church mouse when it comes to critiquing their prophet you don't say anything when it comes to critiquing how people use that book and promote uh, uh, you know terrorism you don't say anything. But yet, you'll keep pointing out the white alt-right and the white conservative Nazi, and you'll keep pointing out all of those things, but you won't talk about the Muslim who does those things. And it's actually funny now to see these two different kinds of liberals fight against each other on these issues because they're not being consistent. For example, how many know of the revolution happening in Iran right now? Anybody paying attention to it? Well, let me help inform you. The Muslims of Iran are one of the worst uh, regimes to live under with their Ayatollah and their Sharia law. The people of that land are now rebelling. They do not want to do it anymore. And it started with a woman not wanting to wear the hijab in burqa as they are commanded to in their society. Well, guess what problem that causes for the liberal Americans today? They support the Muslims because they want their votes and them to support their agenda. And so they've been promoting things like hijab day. We're all going to wear hijabs because the Muslim, the people of color from the Muslim nations are always oppressed by them white southern boys who don't like seeing them wearing them hijabs. So we're all going to wear the burqas and we're all going to wear the veils. But guess what? It now goes against the ones who are forced to wear the veils and the burqas who are having their moment of revolution. Whose side do you take now? You see the confusion in their ranks? Well, I wear a burqa because I want to show solidarity and I'm from San Diego, California. Well, guess what those who have been forced to wear burqas in Iran are doing right now? They're tearing them off and burning them. Please show a screenshot of that, my brother. So they find themselves in these contradictions. They're not consistent in other words. So don't try to please them. You'll never make them happy. I remember during that time of COVID and BLM, I tried to make them happy by saying, hey, I'm sorry if you heard this, though we never said this. I'm sorry if you thought we agreed with the mistreatment of George Floyd, even though I made a whole statement that said this was an act of violence against a man who did not deserve death. But let me clarify again, but those clarifications meant nothing, even to the point that while we were preaching, I said, let's chant Black Lives Matter. And a person tried to grab the mic for me, and they said, you can't say that. I've been believing Black Lives Matter, white Pamela or Karen, whoever you are. I've believed that longer than you have. I've been in the black community since day one. God called me to the black community. I've been serving in the black community. Their lives have mattered so much. I've adopted them into my family. Some of them call me dad, uncle, brother. Are you listening? I've washed their feet and may the Lord have mercy on anything that's boasting in myself. This is all towards him. But yet now a Karen got on her thing. And she now wants to hoopla about, I can't be chanting back Lives Matter because I don't support their movement, which we now know was a part of destabilizing the country and promoting the the trans Lives Matter agenda. Listen to what I'm asking you, brother. Show me a screenshot of the people burning their hijabs and burqas in Iran. Nancy, would you help him, please? So this idea that We're going to be intimidated by the world. It's not going to happen. Can I hear an amen to that? At the same time, I want everybody to get this. Our culture has now emphasized, think about this, celebrations in Jesus' name above Jesus himself. How many people do you know that, that you call a friend or you work with will actually be celebrating Christmas but want nothing to do with Christ? Come on. If not all, most if not all, they won't be thinking about Jesus. They won't be thinking about why he came to earth. I live in John chapter 1. John chapter 1 is like my go-to chapter. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have beheld His glory coming from the Father full of grace and truth. John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only Son, who is Himself in the Father's bosom, has made, the, uh, has made God known, made the Father known. And you see these passages I live by, but people will come to Christmas without Christ. And so the problem that I'm facing right now, thank you, just pick on any of them, just one that can make the point for the preacher, thank you. See, the liberals say, let's have hijab day, and here these women are tearing them off and they're burning them. Pick the one where they're burning, dancing around it right here, please. There you go. Do you see the hypocrisy of the liberal community? And I'm not saying, like, liberal, conservative, one is more right than the other. I'm just saying, like, in our country, there are these people called liberal at this point, and these are some of their arguments. That's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to promote any pro- political party. I'm just saying that we are receiving attacks from the liberal media as Christians, and yet they don't know how to deal with things like this. You see, they'll talk about how oppressive Christianity is. But when was the last time you heard them talk about the oppression of, of Islam? Islam was oppressing, oppressing possibly a billion people right now. You understand? And then people are holding, and these people, by the way, there's already, a, they say, upwards of 600 who have died, killed them. Okay? And we lost our mind over George Floyd. 600 of their people are died, have died already in the protest, being killed by the police. And they say there are thousands that are now being detained. And who knows where they're detaining them? It's human rights violation all over the place. And yet, I'm not saying it's not an issue that we shouldn't deal with here in our country in urban uh, violence or in urban decay with the police department. I'm, of course, we need to deal with that. But where is the news media on this? But they won't do it because it doesn't fit the narrative, okay? Now, I say all of that to say, thank you, as we go back to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, is that when I'm teaching you right now about the culture and how we deal with Christmas, people are going to think you're radical. People are going to think, like, why would you go to a church where a pastor would give you an ultimatum like that? Just stay home on Christmas. Keep your family tradition. Find another church. My friends, a pastor who doesn't care about you enough to tell you the truth and even possibly lose your support or lose your attendance doesn't love you in the right way. Why would you want to go to a church that tells you only what your itching ears want to hear or tickle your ears? My friends, we live in a time that I have to clarify that we go to church on Christmas. Think about that. That's the kind of generation that we live in now. Now, for those of you who celebrate Christmas, and I'll tell you just my reasons in a moment. I have a blog of, of why I don't celebrate. I'll, I'll explain it to you in just a minute. But it's never been a heaven or hell issue with me. and It's not a sin issue. And as you can see, I let our church, not say I let in that kind of way, but we agree in our church for people to express themselves in different ways. And so they have asked me, and I said, you're fine. You're good. This is not touchy for me, okay? But what's, what's unique to us as a church is that we'll tell you the truth about these things and then let you make your own decision. When it comes to Christmas, and let me just get my thing out of the way, and then I'll, I'll, I'll get to this passage here. When it comes to Christmas, from early on, when I started following Jesus, the reason why I didn't like it, and I actually hate it, okay, so let's let you know where I'm at here, um, I actually hate it, is it just wasn't in the Bible, okay? So when I first got saved, I was a Bible man. Show me the Bible, and I follow it, That please and thank you. Can I hear an amen? How many like the Bible? It's a good Bible. I follow the Bible. I live by this Bible, Amen. And so it wasn't in the Bible. And so one of the reasons why I started hating it is because I didn't like that everybody would act like it was supposed to be in the Bible, but it wasn't in the Bible. So I just was frustrated with that. Like, why are we doing this? Where does it say to celebrate his birth? It talks about remembering his death, you know, in in the communion. talks about baptism, remembering what he did for us and giving us new life, being born again, the water symbolizing the womb of the mother, the water breaking. So these are what we call our sacraments. We're to honor marriage, husband and, you know, man and woman coming together, husband and wife. Uh, All of these wonderful things that the Bible gives us to do, but that's not in the Bible. Now, somebody might say, well, your birthday's not in the Bible. Well, I don't really care for that much, you know, care for my birthday that much either. And some of you might say, well, this sounds familiar. I've heard about Jehovah Witnesses or other groups that don't celebrate those things either. And they do have a point. But here's where I realized early on, just because I don't like it doesn't mean I have to tell others not to like it. So... I tried that for a little bit, just, just for a little bit to try to push it and make it a thing. As a pastor, I never made it a deal breaker. You could be in the church and still celebrate it. But I would, like, tell you my reasons and try to convince you. But that was years ago. That was before I was even in Chicago. That was in New Orleans. And I realized at that point, that gets us nowhere, because I'm wasting time, I'm putting all these resources into this thing, and it's, it's not, not important. But the first reason why I didn't like it, because it just wasn't in the Bible. The second reason was, is I'm not into Hallmark stuff. I, I hate that kind of stuff too, okay? So there, how many of you like stuff and hate stuff, okay? A couple of you here. How many, have, how, how many have an opinion in life? Okay, you have opinions. Okay, so I have mine, okay? Now, once again, this is not a Bible thing. It's just first, I don't like the Hallmark way of it. So I used to work in the inner city predominantly in New Orleans, about nine different housing projects I would work in. And I would remember, and I kind of felt like the white Robin Hood. I would go to the suburbs, get all the money so I could give it away to the inner city baby kids. This is my baby kids. Don't give them it all away. Here I am. Here's Pastor Joe. Here he comes. And it was fun. And I loved it. And they would think I was fun because I love kids and I love being with them. And then I would say to myself, you know what? This is the Christmas that most of these kids will never have. You know, this is, a am blessing them. Well, I used to go then back into the inner city, back, you know, back into the hood the next day or two days later, and the garbage dumps would be filled, overflowing with all the you know the wrappings of everything that was there. And then kids would come to the church next week and they would have brand new Jordans on, brand new stuff. And I'm like, see, and this is just between you and I. At this point, I might have had too much white privilege to understand how it was in the hood, but I was new to the hood. Somebody say he was new to the hood. And it was still all good, but I had to learn. I just, I didn't know. Like, I'm thinking, if I, don't give, if, I, if I don't give Tyrone, if I don't give him this candy cane and stuff like this, T ain't getting nothing for Christmas. But when T came to church the next week, wearing Jordans, and back then it was FUBU and all that, I'm like, I'm like, hold on, I think I got played here a little bit. Now I know, I'm sure there was some inner city kid that I helped out that really didn't have anything and that did something for him, but instantly it put a very bad taste in my mouth. I'm probably only saved now a couple years in ministry at the same time. You have to understand within three to six months of being saved, I started preaching. Within nine months, I was in Bible college. Within a year and so many odd months, I was a pastor. And within about two and a half years, I was starting my own church at 22, saved at 18. So a lot of things were happening in my life. And so I realized quickly, man, I don't want to be a part of this. I'm still going to give away stuff to the kids. We still do that to this day. We just did something a Wednesday for King's kids. They had a a Friday Christmas party. We're still going to do that. But I realized, like, this is really a scam. And then I started talking to those parents of those kids Like, you know, just kinda honestly, not trying to get into their business, but just like, how did y'all do that? (laughs) I don't I can't even afford Jordans like that. Like, how how y'all wearing foo-boo all the time? And you know what they would tell me? We running up our credit cards, we going in debt, we're not paying our bills. Parents would come to me after Christmas. They would come to me after Christmas and say, Pastor Man, I need some help. I can't pay my rent. Can you help me out? And so that part of it just began to, you know, bother me. Now obviously. There's a lot of people who can take care of business and enjoy uh, the generosity of Christmas. But I'm just telling you my experience. And then the third thing is, is that those kind of traditions that you do, it's really hard to tie them to the Bible. Like, why are we decorating a tree? Now, back in the day, I used to be very conspiratorial before I knew how to study and do my own research. I would go to Wikipedia and Google and put it all together. And, of course, they say out there, you know, the Christmas tree is pagan. Look at Jeremiah. They cut down a tree. They decorate it and all of that. And then, you know, uh, these different traditions, the Yule log, it came from this tradition over there. And I would really preach against it. But then I began to realize as I studied more from the actual scholars who had nothing to gain, non-Christian scholars like Ron Sutton, and he talks about, I believe, seasons of the sun, and he really lays out those cultures from where this came from which is primarily the european cultures okay and as i studied it it was like well it's not as simple as saying christians just said hey pagan i want that you know give it to me and then now i'm in charge no it was actually cultures just blending with each other how many know if you live in a winter climate where everything dies there's usually only one or two things alive out there when you look outside how many know one of them is called an evergreen That's what it is. You look out there, it's out there. So you're going to do something with that no matter who you are. My wife decorates for every season, you know. She puts things in the house and decorates. So that's what cultures are going to do. And you're going to celebrate different things. So if you're a Christian, what's important to you? Well, Jesus is important to me. When should I celebrate it? Well, why don't I celebrate it at this time? Now, some people try to say this was the birth of their gods. That's actually lies. I never really believed that because I could spot that early on. So if you're hearing those kinds of things, don't believe that. The reason why Christians picked what we would know as the winter solstice, because we know like this year it's either the 21st or 22nd, the shortest day, and then the days get longer. The reason why the Christians did that is because they did the math of when Jesus was born. So believe it or not, you can study why that was done. They believed that a person would die on the same day that they were conceived that's how they picked the the birth and so if you look at the day that Jesus was crucified on the cross at Passover And then you go back nine months, that would be the day he was conceived, and that now becomes in the time of of December. That's not actually a conspiracy. That's the history and the councils and why they did what they did. There was no replacing a day where they did Samhain, or that's for Halloween, sorry, where they did uh, Santanilia and things like that. So that's actually uh, conspiratorial and don't believe the hype on YouTube. And I used to believe some of it, but not all of it. But long story short... When I saw all of those things, it just was foreign from the Bible, and I knew it wasn't supposed to be done, so I just didn't feel comfortable with it. Like, why get a tree and decorate it? That was just me. Does everybody get that? Okay. So can you decorate a tree? Absolutely. Are you worshiping the tree? I hope not, so then you can have a tree. Okay. Now, if you bend down on your knees and start getting low to it just to get a present, no, you know, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's my old preacher trick right there. Got some of you. And looky here with the Christmas tree. Gotcha. Oh, hell Christmas tree. No, no. I know you guys aren't doing it. You better say, look what Jesus got gotcha. you. Amen. Well, you put that all together. That's why I don't like it. Okay. Now, don't feel too sorry for my family, though they probably need some counseling, okay, for being church, being pastor kids and all of that. Look at my daughter shaking her head. She can't wait to have the biggest Christmas party of her life when she leaves our house. When, when Bethany leaves our house, she's going to be celebrating Christmas like nobody's business. But here's the thing. By God's grace, uh, when my wife and I did marriage counseling, it was brought up at the beginning. Three things. Number one, I, like to, I want to have a lot of kids. Can we go for 12? And she said, okay, let's go for it. We made it halfway there to six. Am I not telling the truth? The other thing that I said was, I want someone that wants to homeschool, stay home with the kids. See, this was premarital counseling. She could hit the eject button and be out. This was no surprise to her. And she said, yeah, I would love to do that. And she's been doing an amazing job homeschooling our children. And then the last thing that I said is, I don't celebrate Christmas. I don't want anything to do with it. In my house, that's just something I don't want to do. And so for the last 20-plus years, she's been good on the first two. This last one, man, oh, man, she sneaks up. So I don't know, was it last year that I had my breakdown or was it two years ago? It was one of those years because she just kept slipping up, the, slipping in the decorations. They were gathering up. She was like year by year by year, you know, because we've been married you know, now, you know, almost 20 years. So a little more decorations this year, a little bit more something for the kids next year. And then one day, I don't know, it was last year or two years ago, I walked down and my whole house was decorated. Christmas music was on. My kids had stockings and they were doing their thing. And I said, I'm done with all of this. So... I know it sounds funny, but like it's probably going to be a reality when my kids move out. They're going to have the best Christmases ever. Everybody's going to be all together, and they're going to say, where's your dad? He ain't here. He's somewhere else. And I'm going to be just as happy as a clam, and you'll be just as happy doing it. And if anybody feels sorry for my kids and want to bring them over for Christmas, you can go ahead and do that, Unless, if Nancy will let them out, because we still have our own little things we do. But that's just between me and the Lord. I told you why I don't like it, right? So you can see to me. Uh, and for anyone who feels the way I do, why it's such a ridiculous question to ask me, what are we doing on uh, Easter Sunday? And, and I'm not talking about anybody in particular. No, I haven't heard anybody ask that question. I'm just saying, like, in general, you can see why that would be so ridiculous to me. It's his birthday. Like, those of you who celebrate it, isn't it his birthday? Isn't that why you're doing it? Right? And you're giving gifts in honor of him giving you the greatest gift. So why in the world would it ever be a question where you would be if it fell on a Sunday? If you're actually a true Christian that celebrates Christmas, you should be as happy as Buddy the Elf is right now. You should be like, oh, man, kids, guess what? Christmas fell on Sunday this year. We get to hang out with our family and our jammy jams, and then we get to go to church and be with our brothers and sisters and worship and sing songs and hear the word of God preach, maybe even bring some of our family members who get saved. Right, So anybody, and just check your heart, anybody who hears or saw, oh, Christmas fell on a Sunday this year, and you were disappointed, you better repent. You got the wrong mindset. Can I hear an amen if you believe that? Man, if you look at, oh, man, oh, man, you mean I got to go to God's house the day I celebrate his son's birthday? Oh, man, I'm so sad. Like, you have the wrong Christmas. You're doing this thing wrong. Honor the Lord in all that you do. Amen. So look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest, which we were learning about last week, over the house of God, what house is it? The house of God. That's where you're at today. Where are you at? The house of God, right? That's over the house of God. Let us draw near to God with sincere hearts, a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Can I hear an amen for that? Isn't that beautiful what Christ does for us? Let us hold unswervingly, so don't get your swerve on here, hold unswervingly. To the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. And let's read this together, verse 24 and 25. One, two, three. And let us consider how we may spur one another. Meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Thank you, brothers and sisters. I'm not here. Because I have a low self-esteem and I need your attendance next week. I'm not here to manipulate you in that way. That's why I said if this is something you, you don't want to do, then just go to another church then. And you don't have to listen to me talk about it again. I'm not trying to do that. Please hear my heart. I'm doing this because I love you and I want to redirect us towards the mindset of what church is. If you think of church like your basketball club that meets on a Sunday, well, then, yeah, that's a fair question. Man, are we meeting this Sunday? Are we doing this? But if you look at your church as the the place where you meet with your brothers and sisters and you serve God, well, then you take serious what you do here. Now, somebody might say, well, pastor, what if we, you know, just pick another day like I see some churches doing? Let's just go on Saturday, take care of all of our church stuff, and let everybody have off on Sunday because isn't it true that all days are alike now as Christians? And there's a truth to that, all days are alike as Christians. But why did we pick the first day? That's the resurrection day. And that's the day that our Lord met with John the Revelator and revealed himself. So special things have happened on that day, resurrection and the revealing of his kingdom to come. So we meet on this day to remember his resurrection and remember that he's coming. How many believe Jesus is coming back, right? And then the apostles met on the first day because they wanted to distinguish themselves from the Jews who were trying to kill them. But it is true that there isn't a command to meet on that day. It has just become the tradition of our brothers and sisters. But this would be the question that I would ask that kind of nitpicking kind of like person trying to find a little leeway here. Why would you do that and change your day of worship? What is your motivation? It's because you're prioritizing Christmas. It's not because, say, there's a hurricane coming to town where some of my friends have to adjust or there's a war in our country and now we have to meet sporadically so the authorities don't get us or to be safe from the weather that's coming or something like that. It's not like that at all. It's people showing where their priorities are. I have friends that during Super Bowl Sunday, they'll change around their services because they don't want to lose the people that prioritize Super Bowl. That's not what a church should do. What are we showing the world when we do that? We're showing them that we don't take serious what we do here. Like if this is something that we can just so easily reschedule and do at another time, then why come at all? Why make church a priority? Why is this a a command? Well, right here we see one of the first reasons why gathering together is so important, and that's because we have to give each other encouragement while the days are getting closer to Jesus' second coming. Right now, do you feel... Like it's getting better in our world or getting worse? It's getting worse. That's the way I see it. I think there are things that are better about our world, but I don't think in general the world is getting better. Everything that's better in a small way goes right sucked up into the evil in the general way. For example, okay, the world's better because we have technology and phone. Oh, but let's make pornography the number one thing on the phone. And then gets right taken up into evil. You guys tracking with me? Oh, we okay, we, we live in America, 21st century. We have all these e- extra uh, things to spend our money on and all this way to live, and we have hot water and all that. <laughs> Greed comes right up. It's never enough. We're all in credit card debt, right? No one's happy with their job. They always want the next thing, the next thing. Okay, so how is it working for us? It's not. It's not working for us. So everything that we have that should be better we have medical uh, devices. We have these things that help us. <laughs> let's kill our children in the womb, and let's butcher up uh, uh, adults and, and now children to try to make them another gender. We turn these things against God. And so in one sense, when we're gathering together, what we're doing is we're encouraging each other, saying one day what we do here will be what we do every day. Okay. Every day we'll be like church. And for some of you, that might be a nightmare. Oh, man, like church. I don't know if I like it that much. But it should be a blessing. Church, the way we see it now, has a time of singing, has a time of preaching, and a time of interacting, what we call fellowship, right? Well, the church in the, in the age to come is going to be like this, but it's also then going to result in us going out and doing things, just like you do now. But here's the difference. The church will be in charge of your job. The church will be in charge of the government. Now, right before, uh, you know, we pick up our guns and try to make this happen now, as we're accused of as the alt-right, you know, what we say is Jesus will be king at that time. The kingdom of God will have come from heaven to earth. He'll be upon the earth, and so no one will tell us that we're doing it the wrong way now. The God who created us will ascend, uh, descend from heaven on the clouds, and everybody will see him. How many know on that day it's going to be pretty sure which religion is right, right? Like when Jesus has come down, he's floated down from the cloud and says, I'm in charge. How many know it's time to follow him? Now, at that point, people will still make their own decision. They won't be forced to follow him, and we'll have jobs to do. We'll have things to do in this world. So the kingdom of God through the church won't just be sitting in church for a couple of hours, but it will be how we live our lives. Now, doesn't that sound familiar to what Christ asks you to do now? It should. Go with me to Matthew chapter 16, verse 16. How many of you want to be blessed in 2023? How many want to see blessings on your, fam- and your job, for your family, savings? You want to be able to have houses, cars, uh, new things, business opportunities. We all pray for that. Like That's that's a part of why we're here. The Bible says, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth. We're here to be prosperous. A person that's not working is usually a sick person or a handicapped person, and even then, they make opportunities for them to work. When I go to Jewel and I see the handicapped there working, I get blessed. Has anybody else seen them? I I love them, and yet we got able-bodied people that don't want to work. God have mercy. You were made to work. You were made to enjoy what you do. Whistle while you work. Amen. And so this was supposed to be our life. And so God wants us to do it. But guess what? When you pray for those blessings, you know what you're supposed to pray first? Jesus, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what you pray for first. So Lord, bless me in my job. Bless me in my family. Bless me. Why? So that your kingdom may come. The world has its own priorities. The Christian needs to prioritize God. We can be in the same company right now with non-Christians, but remember, our end goal is different. We we may want the same temporary goal, which is for that company to succeed, that hospital to succeed, those situations that we're working through, those projects to succeed. Yes, we can share that with our non-Christian friends, but we have a bigger goal than that. We have a hope that goes beyond the scope of the human limitation of why we do those things. We are doing these things because we want to see God's kingdom come. And if you look at your life right now, brother or sister, you can actually be encouraged by that through the tough days that you have. It doesn't matter if you're selling cell phones, you're making textiles, printing books, selling other products, building homes, going out and doing construction, firefighter, policeman, military. It doesn't matter. If you see your end goal as giving God glory and establishing his kingdom, those bad days and those frowns can be turned upside down. Amen. I mean, that's why we do what we do. Because otherwise, a paycheck can only fill your heart so much. A vacation can only fill your heart so much. What will fill your heart and give you a true sense of purpose and identity is when you know you do those things for the Lord. One of the sad things that happened this past week is we lost, you know, what they would say is a bright light, you know, the DJ for the Ellen show. And as much as I loved uh, to tease Ellen and didn't, I would say she's not Ellen degenerate, but Ellen DeGenerate and she needed to repent, I love that dude. What was his name? Twist. DJ Twist? Twitch. Twitch. Thank you. And you know how he died? He took his life. Look over his Instagram right now, those of you who are already not paying attention, looking at your phones like these young people in the back. Look up Twitch. Look up DJ Twist. Look at his Instagram. Show his Instagram here for me, please, my brother. Tell me what's missing in his life when you look at Instagram. You can't see it. Like from the outside looking in, right? You can't see it. He's married, happy. I would always see him come up dancing, doing his thing, living a great life. I loved him, man. He—he, You know, as the kids would say, he had a good vibe about him. You know what I'm saying? He passed the vibe test. I I just liked him. You know, so uh, when I heard about this, I was sad. And I thought to myself, what about his wife? What about his kids? What about all the people who are going to miss him now? But you see, suicide is a lie. Suicide is based on deception. Coming from Satan who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Sometimes people say, well, pastor, then you don't take serious mental health if you're only going to see it as spiritual. No. I believe we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I believe in a holistic approach to helping people with suicide, just like I do with the transgender community. I don't doubt that they have mental anguish towards what body that they're in, but we change the mind and heal the heart, not tear apart the body. And it's the same thing with the DJ Twitch. We don't pump him full of medications necessarily. We don't give him more money. We don't give him more opportunities because I'm sure he had all of that at his hands. More medication, more counselors, more therapy, more money. I mean, he's probably the most well-liked DJ in the country, if not the world. He's, he, I know him. You know, he's popular to me. It reached my world. And yet, he still took his life. Now, I'm not going to assume I know why he took his life or the things that he was dealing with, but imagine how desperate you have to be to think that's your solution. Don't you think he knew about Suicide Prevention Week? They always talk about it. I'm sure Ellen's talked about Suicide Prevention Week. Don't you think he knew about the hot lines he could call? Don't you think he knew that his wife would cry and that his children would miss him? But he had a greater fear and a greater despair Than any of those things could help him with. In other words, think about this: He would rather die, and know their pain would be real, than to face his pain. So think about how great of pain you have to have, where you weigh it in your mind. Because I don't think he's irrational. You know, children are going to miss you. Family is going to miss you. The nation who enjoyed your DJing and dancing is going to miss you. Everyone's going to miss you. That's pain, right? Yeah, yeah, it's pain. But what is he saying at the end of the day? My pain is greater. Can you help him with that, please, with the uh, Instagram so we can get it up there? Thank you. I don't want to pass until we look at his smiling face and how jovial he was. Because we think that the people we're, in sh- we're sharing this world with are as happy as they're pretending to be. And friends, I want it as a sermon illustration today. Christianity is not an upgrade to people's already amazing lives. Christianity was not Twitch's upgrade. Like, man, you know, Twitch, you live a good life, man, but you want to live an even better life? How about you put Jesus in your life, and then your life will be better? I want everybody to hear me. Jesus is the only way to have a life. Everything else is death and destruction. Everything. Everything. As we get logged in, please uh, log in first and then put it up there so we don't get distracted. Thank you. There you go. Now you can start going through this. Look at this. Him with his wife doing these dances. How many would like to be married today dancing with your wife like that, you single folks? How many are married and wish you could do that? Look at it. How are you going to preach to him? You know how a lot of you guys preach? You preach as if you're selling somebody a timeshare in Florida. That's why a lot of times when we go out and preach, I watch who you guys talk to. You go to the homeless person, you go to the kid over here selling drugs and all that, but you'll let the white middle class or the upper middle class, no matter what color, they're, they're just, you'll let the person who has something walk right by. Because you look at people like that and you go, that's hard to preach to them. Let me go tell this dude over here, hey man, you're on drugs, let me help you get off drugs. Hey homeless person, Jesus will give you a house. Doesn't this dude have a house? He has more money probably than all of us here, right? Doesn't he have popularity? Look at him. Look at that. I don't even think he's being a hypocrite. Honestly, I don't think he understood how deceptive suicide is. In my studies of suicide, most suicide victims make their bed the morning they kill themselves. Most of them continue on with their normal life. And you know what that tells us? Is they weren't planning on dying that day. Most of them make a rash decision in the moment because they've been contemplating it for days, weeks, or years. And they don't want to come out and tell people because this is the image that they want to give of their life. And I don't say this to mock him. I say this to prevent other people from doing the same exact thing he did. They need Jesus. Thank you, my brother. When I talk to you about coming to church, I mean it. Coming. Thank you, my brother. That means we don't need it anymore. Thank you, sir. Trying to make it a little bit more sophisticated. Don't you just feel sorry for the sound, guys? How many never want to be back there? You never want to be back there. I know. Some people give me a hard time. They're like, man, you're so mean to them. I'm like, you preach one time. I've had some of our people come up here, and I have to even tell them, be a little bit nicer to them. But pastor, you're not, I think I'm kind of nice. A little, I say please and thank you. I love you guys back there. But they, um, they remind me that I need to work on my patience. But I want you guys to hear this. What you just saw right there is the face of Satanism. Satanism doesn't look like the guy with the, the 666 on his forehead. It looks like people who are deceived who are about ready to face destruction. See that's the thing that we've bought into in this culture. Satanism is what Marilyn Manson does. Satan is what these people over here the drug addicts do. Satan is what these uh, political people do who corrupt, you know, a nation. No, no, it's not just that. I agree it's that, but it's also that. It's a man thinking, I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. I don't need the church. I don't need to gather myself together. Let's go back to the Hebrews passage, please, and leave that one up. Thank you. It's not forsaking the gathering together for the brethren. Why? Because the days are getting evil. They're more wicked. Time is short. I can only imagine... The kind of people that not only commit suicide, but turn to drugs and alcohol, second and third marriages, how they were brought up in church, and at some point, they said to themselves, this stuff is not worth my time anymore. And because they walked away, and because a few days went by, and hey, I'm good. Man, I, that pastor said, if I stopped serving Jesus, life would be bad. Oh, it's been a year. I'm still happy. Look at me. Happy, happy, happy. Happy. Where are they now? They're broken. They're broken. They don't have any wholeness in them. They don't have any wellness. Hebrews chapter 10, 19, please. They don't have anything to help them. And they're dying right now by the thousands. I just saw a billboard, 53, I think, die a day of suicide, you know, for gun violence. They kill themselves. I guess they're trying to get guns out of the home. No, the gun's not the problem. The gun's not walking over to the guy, hey, I want to kill you today okay, let's do that. No, no, no. person does that. And in places like China and Japan where they don't have access to firearms, they go to these woods and they kill themselves. You know what I'm talking about. Logan got into a lot of trouble. Paul, what's his name? Logan Paul? Yeah, going over there and he filmed a suicide. It happened while he was there because if they don't have the gun, they're going to go jump off a cliff. They're going to go hang themselves in the woods. Look at what the Bible says, my brothers and sisters. It says, let us hold, verse 23, unswervingly to the hope we profess. Can you commit suicide when you're holding on to hope? No, you have to let go of hope to take your life, don't you? And let's keep going, verse 24. And let's consider how to spur one another towards good deeds, love and good deeds, not giving up meaning together. Do you think someone who is faithful to the church, holding on to hope, coming together with brothers and sisters can commit suicide? Of course they can't. But then what do people instantly think of? They think of these pastors who've committed suicide. And that's one of the devil's biggest lies. Is look at this pastor, the one preaching, supposedly with all the answers, supposed to have a direct line to God. They've killed themselves. And now I can hear the devil say, what hope is there left for you? Look at the devil. He's looking at these pastors, mocking them, going, hey, you go to that church. That dude just blew his brain out. What do you think's going to happen to you? You're next. Sowing despair into our nation. And that's why today we have to love people enough to tell them the truth. So when people get upset with me and say, well, why do you use ultimatums? Well, I'm talking like Jesus did. I'm talking like the Bible did because there's not three paths here, friends. There's two. It's the path of life and there's the path of destruction. And the path of destruction is led by a pied piper who knows you in and out and has destroyed hundreds like you and will not stop until he does. He is smarter than you. He is smarter than me. He is very subtle in his deception. And he will play the long game with us. And then I hear people say back to me, Well, you're just scaring them now. You're just forcing people to want to follow your religion because you're trying to get them to be afraid of the devil. Friends, I always say back to them, what if the devil was real? I say, You believe in all these other things. You believe you came from the goo to the zoo to you. You believe you're a talking chemical bag of, 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 of you're a talking bag of chemicals. Think about that. Think how crazy they think that the the human life experience is. You're literally a bag of goo holding a conversation. That's what they believe you are, right? Talk about science fiction. You believe you're a moist moist robot being programmed by your own chemicals. Some of them are full on aware of this, and they agree with it. Yeah, I'm a bag of chemicals. I have no free will, and the I inside of me is an illusion that I'm playing out as a movie of my chemicals right now. I have books written by PhD scientists that believe that about themselves. And then yet they want to somehow stand on a high horse and tell us Christians we're doing things wrong. I'm just doing what my chemicals told me to do. My chemicals want to praise Jesus, so I'll keep doing that. Thank you very much. Hello, somebody. How do you even argue with somebody? I'm just doing my chemicals. Guy who murders is doing what his chemicals said to do. And then when you look at it strictly by a physical sense, you know your body rejuvenates itself so often. So you're, if you're not an I, and an I would mean a soul, you're just chemicals, then you're not the same chemicals you were yesterday. So when you've killed somebody, hey, put that one in jail. Not today. I'm a new one. The chemicals have refreshed. I've eaten, expelled, and got new chemicals. Now it's a different me. Do you see how absurd this world becomes? And yet they want to mock us. And what are we telling them seriously? We're telling them, if there was a devil, if there was an adversary, what would he be like? What would he be like? He would be a deceiver. He would cause us to fight in war as we see Ukraine, Russia. We we would be oppressing one another as religions have done we would be living by our animal instincts to fulfill desires like a carrot in front of a donkey thinking it will make us happy, all the while while he's pulling the strings behind us. You look to the story of our Bible. Right at the beginning, how did Cain kill Abel? God showed up to him and says, sin is crouching at your door, Cain. It wants to have mastery over you. Not only is truth a person, Called Jesus. So not only do I believe in truth, like how we make our propositions and we make statements that correspond to knowledge and reality, that's truth. I also believe truth is a person. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I not only believe in lies, that lies happen when things are against the truth, but I believe there is a liar. There is a father of lies, and he's come to lie to us. So what would those lies look like? I mean, we design CGI movies, and it's only a taste of what this powerful being can do. Think about all the bad guys you've ever seen in these movies, horror movies, uh, you know, Marvel movies. They're pretty smart, aren't they? The, the, the writer makes them pretty smart. They, they manipulate, they transform people, they, they bring others to their side, they deceive them. And then now look at what's happened in world history. Look at how nations have been deceived. Look at how entire people groups have been lost to paganism. And the Bible says that they will worship these things knowing that they're not real. They're not stupid. The pagan of the Roman Empire knew when he made Zeus, he made it out of the same wood he would burn his food over. He knew that. But a demon convinced him, if you do it, my spirit will come in there and give you special power." And they had ceremonies for the spirit to come into those objects that they made that they knew came from the ground. They, they weren't stupid, but they were convinced, if I do this, that demon spirit will give me something. You don't think in the Aztec Empire, the Mayans all them sacrificing their children, they don't, you don't think they heard the screams of their children burning at these altars? They heard the screams of their children, but they were convinced by demons, you do this, you get good weather. You do this, you'll have prosperity. The rest of your children will be blessed. So it's worth the sacrifice. And the Bible is telling us don't give up meeting together. And yet people will be in our culture so deceived to think, I'm going to not meet on Christmas because I've got Christmas traditions. This is where we're at in a culture. And yet they'll call themselves Christians. Go with me quickly in closing. I just want a few more. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Brothers and sisters, we have to wake up to the reality that Christianity is not about you and I having a party. Christianity is about us making it through the journey. Do I want to have fun along the way? Absolutely. I want to I be full of joy. I don't see Jesus as always being depressed. I know Jesus was dealing with spiritual battles. I know Jesus had the weight of the world on his shoulders. But Jesus still knew how to eat and drink, be with the sinners, love them. He spent time with children. Imagine that. The preacher is a friend of children and not in a bad way. And so Jesus shows us that you can understand the reality of this and not come to just shambles, you know, becoming almost afraid to leave your house. Well, what do I do? What if I die? You know, there was just a shooting last week. I was almost tempted to play it here in church, but I don't want to freak you guys out. But it was the facility that we were going to rent. We were going to get this facility. I won't even name the name because I don't want to give it too much attention. But this facility that we were going to rent about two or three years ago, I was having a party and I have the actual footage of the security camera and at 2.30 in the morning, they were out fighting and a man shot and killed four, uh, three execution style and the fourth one is in intensive care, right down the road from here, right down the road from here and I, you know what I thought to myself is they should have been in bed because I believe it was a Saturday night getting ready for church Sunday morning how many of you would have been out there if it wouldn't be for Jesus? It was the birthday girl that's fighting for her survival right now, but she lost her dad on her birthday party. And we, and you know what, we say this and we understand this, but it's numb to us now. You know, because if you were sitting next to that person on a bus or you were talking to them as a co worker, you know what they would say? It's, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And more than likely, I believe in Jesus, so man, find somebody who doesn't, and you know what? I'm going to celebrate Christmas, but they're on their way to hell because they don't know Jesus, and they don't know the purpose of the church. The church is not just something that we do. Remember, we read it before. It's called God's house. It's something we are. It's not the steeple. It's the the people, right? You ever do this with the children? I don't know. I'm 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 a kid that went to Sunday school. It's not the steeple, it's the people. That's what church is. Teach it to your children. It's not the steeple, it's the people. That's who we are. We're the church. Notice what Paul said. Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions. You see, a church has instructions. Sometimes people get mad. They go, well, Joe, you're just telling people what to do. Yes, I'm giving you instructions. Before I'm your friend at the barbecue, before I'm the guy who makes you laugh or goes wakeboarding, snowboarding with you, I'm the one that gives you instructions. It's my job to give you these instructions. And if I don't give them to you, I'm letting you down. I'm letting your friendship, your finances get in the way of me helping you. It would be like a trainer who doesn't want to lose you as a client. So when you come and you hit that scale and you keep weighing more, they're like, okay, okay, well, we'll do it. And listen to me. If you stay obese or overweight with a trainer more than a year, you're wasting your money. And they're just taking it. You understand? Because they don't care anymore about you. They should draw an ultimatum. They should say, listen, if you don't want to change and do it, I don't want you as a client anymore. See, some of you don't live in a world like that. You think that those things are bad and that that everything's going to go your way. No, you need ultimatums in life. And I'm sorry if that offends this generation that's so used to being coddled. But sometimes I think doctors need to do the same thing. If you're not going to listen to me, go find another doctor because I can't watch you die on my watch. If you're not going to take your medicine, then find another one. Not saying we're not going to get you another one. Just go find another one because I'm a doctor who cares. And that's why I say the same thing in the church. If you don't want a pastor that says, if you don't come out witnessing with us at the Boricua Fest or, or um, Lollapalooza, it's not your church, then go find another one and let that be an answer to your prayer about whether or not this was your church, right? Well, you talk to me like that and I don't want to say, it. well, then that's your answer. This is not your church then. Or hey, if I say to you, if you want to stay home next week, stay home for the next weeks and don't come back. Oh, that's my pastor. Then I'm not your pastor. But you see, I care about my children, and I talk to them a certain way, and I care about my church, and I'm going to talk to you a certain way. And it's going to be up to you whether or not you respect that at the end of the day. But I'm going to put some respect on it. I'm going to have people respect the house of God again. I'm tired tired of having to deal with, by God's grace, a black Hebrew Israelite group, the ISUPK. We met them on the block last week. They're at war with Edom, and they think I'm an Edomite. I'm going to have a debate with them, Lord willing. I'm going to send you a, a picture. Of this, I want you to put it up and just notice the difference between the two of us. He's going to confirm on this date, so don't uh, hold me to this date right here, but I want you all to be in prayer. This dude called me up because I, I went to their corner, and I was like, hey, man, I want to have a debate with you guys. This is how he called me up. He said, I heard from one of my guys, you came on my corner, that's my corner, and you said you wanted some smoke. You're going to have smoke and all this and that. He said, I'm ready. I'm ready. Well, guess what? I said, I knew what I was getting into, and I've been waiting for it. I've been waiting for it. So let me send this to you, Rudy. Check your phone. That's why I want that smoke. That's why I come for it. I got Christian, I mean, don't even get me started right now. Help me, Jesus. I don't want to sound prideful. I don't want to sound prideful, but honestly, I'm just being very transparent with you here. Many people want to test me in the church, and you don't understand. You're wrestling with daddy. I got my kids' gloves on. You don't even walk where I walk in Jesus' name. You understand? You would Most Christians that want to debate with me get upset in the church. You wouldn't even know how to handle these folks. They would have you on their knees spanking you, having you call them massa at the end of the meeting. And that's what they want. They have people kiss their boots after they beat you in a debate. They call it boot licking because the Bible says your enemies will lick the dust off your feet. And it's going to happen, but they'll have them do it on the streets. And you see, my friends, I'm here to do the real fight, not this Nerf game. In my house, we play Nerf game. You come at me wrong, I got a real gun. We, t- we, we handle business, right? So I just want to let everybody know we're here to teach you. We're here to be with you, but I'm not here to consider you my enemy. People in my church who get disgruntled or have issues, you're not my enemy. I'll try to help you, but I'm going to move past you. Because you know what? We give the devil too much credit, and we make him look good when we go to that kind of fighting. I will be rational with you. I will have a debate with you. I will handle my business with you, but I'm not going to go down to the Real Housewives of Jersey Shore with you. You understand? I got too much I have to do. So this is the the debate flyer that I made right here. I purposely, I purposely picked a picture of me smiling because I want when he puts it up or he sees it, I want them to know the difference. I want them to know the difference. I love you, but I'm still going to whoop you in Jesus' name, and I'm going to be smiling while I do it. (laughs) Amen. man, you can see me debate Sakari. There's another group that's just as militant as them. I've already debated them. And one of the guys came on. He's like, man, he got you on this point. And he hung up on the dude. We were on a live pocket. He hung up on it. He didn't like anybody disagreeing with them. But you know why I put this up? Is because the mess that we're cleaning up right now with these cults is because they take serious what they do, and they don't see it in the church. You ask these men right here, why are you out there? Because they want to clean up their neighborhood, and they are so tired of this bishop, that church, this church, not doing nothing. So they got deceived in their mind. Thank you, my brother. We got enough for the fight night there. Amen. Stay, stay in touch with our Facebook page, and we'll see, it, see how it goes. Amen. But I want you to hear this. They have good points. They have good points. Their points are is that Christianity as a religion has let people down, and it's true. The churches on the corners have let people down, and that's why when I talk with them, you know what gets to me, and this is what kind of fires me up, is I'm defending those bishops who don't even have enough cojones to defend themselves because I have to stand by the truth that they preach, not all the errors that they have. My wife has been there. My wife has come home and found a whole room full of them in my own house. You remember that time? She came in my house, and it was like five of them all in my room, and they were just going at me. Man, I'm telling you, I not, I'm not new to this. We're true to this, okay? But I'm telling you, while I'm trying to help them, they get mad. They call me white devil. They call me all these names. That's all right. Just give me the fair time to talk. Let me get the mic. It's my turn now in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? But I want you to hear this, but it's so heartbreaking because not only the black Hebrew Israelites, there's a... Filipino cult called Ecclesia de Cristo. It's the Church of Christ, but it's not the Christian version. It's a cult version. And he said something to me that stuck with me. We're over there. And you know what he said to me? He said, if what you're saying is true, why don't any other pastors do this? This is what he said. If what you got is real, then why have I never met another pastor to do this? And then he said this to me. And he said, why aren't you and all these other churches doing what we're doing, going out preaching, going out sharing the faith? So in other words, they're looking at us as the church, and they're saying, if it's the truth, why is it so broke, busted, and disgusted then? And that's where we have to be humble. We have to say, we're not the only ones. We're not the only ones. Say it with me. We're not the only ones. But we are one of the only ones being faithful, because it's getting to the point where I have to preach on Sunday to a city and say, we're meeting on Sunday. For church during christmas amen here are my last thoughts and i pray that they encourage you from the word of god he said i'm writing to you these instructions so that if i'm delayed so he can't be there if i'm delayed you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in god's household you have to know how to conduct yourself it was making uh, Lauren laugh because when we were dealing with this group, she said the superior will be getting back with you because the man making the calls to us can't make a decision unless he speaks with his superior. And the reason why I'm waiting for this d- d- the date to be confirmed because he's confirming it with his superior. The leader of his group is called a general, and he's a captain. All I know about captain is Captain Crunch. You know what I'm saying? You a captain. I got some captain crush. But listen, if that's how you want to roll, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. But I'm sitting here thinking to myself, we're so wild in the church. We will disrespect our pastors. This dude has to double check with his general so he can be in good standing as a capitan. And I'm thinking here to myself, well, I wish I had a little bit of that respect, I got people who hate on me, talk about me, call me anything but holy, and you got people calling you captain. <laughs> now, of course, he, of course, he's in a cult, but look at what cult people get him to do, calling people captain, calling people general. They get people to believe this stuff. I was studying about Scientology, you know, because it's not just in a black community. Look at what crazy white call people do, Jim Jones, and now Scientology. They will take $100,000 of your middle, upper class money to then hand you a book that tells you about a guy named Sinu who put spirits in volcanoes that are now thetans attached to you from your former lives, and you have to hold on to an e-meter to read. It's clear, and Tom Cruise believes it. You see what cult people will do, man? They'll pay hundreds of thousands for that garbage. They'll be told all of this brainwashing stuff. And yet in the Christian church, we'll get over a fight. Pastor said I had to go to church on Sunday, even though it's Christmas. Oh, it's such a bad church. I'm in a cult. Man, you want a cult, I will bring you to a cult. You want to hold on to an e-meter, I'll get you an e-meter. No, I won't, but you know what I'm saying. You want a cult, I'll get you a dude to have you kiss his boots and call him captain. And now when we hear truth, oh, it offends me, it offends me. We can't take even the truth, man. The Bible says this is, man, I'm writing you that you know how to act in church, in God's house. It's a house. It has order. And listen what he calls it, which is the church of the living God. Now notice this, the pillar and the foundation of truth. That's why we're here, amen. And that's why we won't shut it down when they say shut it down. We're not shutting anything down. We don't die, we multiply. This is the pillar and foundation of truth for every people group, for every nation. We come here to learn about God, to hold on to his word. Abandoned altar workers, would you come please? Uh, My my heart wasn't to do this today. It wasn't. I had ran it by the elders, the first part of my talk, but I didn't know I was going to go in these directions. I had said to the elders, I said, prepare, because I'm going to give another ultimatum about coming to church on Christmas. I said, are you all good with it? Because I just don't want you to get caught off guard. And sometimes people ask good questions. They don't know if the elders are always involved in what I do. Sometimes I look like a loose cannon. That's okay. It's, you know. But listen, I said, I'm going to bring this to you so you can know. I'm going to let them know that if they don't want to come to church on Christmas, this ain't the church for them. And they say, we got your back. Now, why would I say something like that if I didn't love you? What, pers- what What? could I personally get out of that? More control? No, man, we don't control your lives. If you want to celebrate Christmas, celebrate Christmas. Wake up in the morning, put on your jammy jams, do your Christmas traditions, but, gen- but then look at Cousin Flacco and be like, hey, Cousin Flacco, we're going to church now. Come on, you could come in your jammy jams, come on, but we're going. What's it going to be like? We're going to sing Christmas songs? Oh, yeah, we'll do that, but we're going to do a little bit more than that. <laughs> What's he going to talk about, baby Jesus? I don't know, but he'll definitely talk about Jesus. Thank you. And Don't be ashamed of me as a pastor. I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not going to embarrass you next week. I'm not going to be intentionally vulgar or a shock jock. Look at how wild I can be on Sundays. No, that's not my idea. That's never my idea. As a matter of fact, when they make highlights of our services and we put them up on social media, I never encourage them to take the wild moments. I always say, take the stuff that people can digest and understand. Not that I'm ashamed of it. I mean, we leave it up. But I'm not here to be like, look at what this pastor, you're like, big title. Look what pastor says about Christmas. Ah, you know, and I'm preaching like that. Like, that's not my motive. That's I'm not trying to do, I don't want control. I don't want shock. You know what I want by God's grace? I want a church that loves me and that I love them. I want a church that's pillars and foundations of the truth. So that when these children get older, they'll be in church shouting for Jesus. Amen? I want to be a member. Because I'm a member. I'm like you. I'm a member. I want to be a member of a church that puts God first on every day. Even if we're not gathered in our buildings, we're putting God first. Like, how are you going to do that tomorrow? Maybe put God first in your your prayer time, right? Wake up in the morning, give God glory. You're going to read your word before you start your day, right? How about when you go on your commute, talk to people, smile at them. I was out snowboarding this, this other day and, uh, you know, took an opportunity to meet a young guy. He's like 26 years old, contractor, and just, you know, be, be, was his friend, befriended him. And then we start hanging out, and, it, you know, I just happen to be a little bit better. You know, that makes me feel better. That makes me feel good, too, when I'm like, when I'm better than these young dudes, you know. But anyway, that's another conversation. That's where my pride comes in. you got to pray for me to be humbled. Lord, just don't let me fall too hard this week and get hurt, you know, but... But I was like, oh, man, let me show you this. Let me show you that. So I'm like, you know, hanging out with them, doing different things. And at the end, I told him, man, I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. I love Jesus. He changed my life. He took me off drugs. And then he told me a little story about him and some things I won't share right now. And then I said to him, well, that's what I'm here for, man, because he had just moved from Florida. And we exchanged numbers. Now, what if the one day I can get him is this Sunday? We're not going to have church because somebody got to stay in their jammy jams and have the hot chocolate for another hour. Come on, I'm not doing that. What if that's that dude's day? Because you know I'm going to invite him. Hey, man, we're having service on Christmas, man. Come on out. We should be excited. We should be looking at it as an opportunity to reach our culture. You know the Catholics are going to have mass. Come on, somebody. They're going to use that to their advantage. Yeah, boys, we finally got it on the same day, you know. But Listen. We in the non denominational church, we act like we're so loose, we can just throw off a Sunday. Man, we're not doing that. And like I said, I want everyone to hear my heart. This did not come from anybody. No one talked to me, no one said anything. This was in my heart because I know I'm not just speaking to you, I'm speaking to your friends. I'm speaking to our culture that they need to hear this, man. What's so, man, look how wrong we are. Look at how bad we are that we don't even know what we're doing on Christmas. And so, brothers and sisters, put God first. Watch what He's going to do in your life. Try to bring somebody. Let them know, man. Say, hey, Jesus is the reason for the season, right? And it is Sunday. It's his birthday. Wouldn't you be at his party? Well, let's go to church. And I promise you when we come here, we'll talk about Jesus. We'll exemplify Jesus. And now before we go, I want to make sure you're doing it, though. Amen? Let's pray. Father, help us now to apply this message. Everyone look at their hearts. Father, look at our hearts. Search us in this moment of of reflection and see if there's any hypocrisy in us. Anything that's not right, oh, Lord, move it out. Lord, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Maybe I, I put you first on Christmas, but there's other days I'm not putting you first. Show me now, Lord. I don't want to put TV time. I don't want to put anything before you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Come on, some of you need to feel that conviction. It's a good thing. Just this last week, you know, my, my family and I, we've been watching all these shows, and I noticed we hadn't been doing our devotions so I said, you know what, nighttime, we keep doing all this stuff, but I'm going to do it right now because we homeschool, and I did a devotion with them right there because I'm not going to let these things pass me by. I'm not going to get stuck in a comfort zone. A few moments, look at your heart. Shake it up right now, Jesus. Put us on solid ground. Remove the weeds from our life, Jesus. Before we can ever preach to a culture, we have to be preached to. Before we can ever tell somebody else about you, Jesus, we need you to show us who you are. We need you in our lives few moments right now, Lord, convict us. Some of you have been busy with the holidays. You've been forgetting all about Jesus. Ask him to come back into this moment with you. Because if all you're doing is decorating trees and all that, you're missing the whole purpose. few more moments right now, God, touch us, change us. Some of you right now start to pray for others in your life. Maybe even pray for this upcoming debate or others who are deceived, who mock the Christians, you know, who celebrate Christmas, but they don't live for Jesus, so they mock us. Maybe you have a Muslim coworker. Maybe you have these friends on your job, Jehovah Witnesses. Pray for them. Or just in general, those who don't like God anymore because they think the church is full of hypocrites. Pray that they'll see the truth. Father, we pray that you'll use this time to help us reach out to this culture, to our friends and our family. We pray for these cults to lose their members to the cross of Jesus Christ, that they would come back home, come to Jesus. Father, because we can't do it without Jesus. Lord, I pray that you bless. And I want everyone to hear this prayer as I pray for you. Lord, I pray you bless every family here that celebrates Christmas, that takes time out to be with their family and friends. Lord, I pray that they will have a wonderful time, that they'll share these moments of, of life together. And that, Lord, they'll have testimonies to share about your goodness this past year. And that, Lord, you'll use any celebration, any meal, any gathering, any gift-giving, any office party for your glory, Father. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Can you bless the Lord, saints? Would you stand up with us, please? We'll dismiss.